0: Jason Walls, Deputy Political Editor with us now. Hi, Jason. Hello, Heather. Okay, so we're at Orange Alert level. I mean, is this even a – this is such a non-event, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it was not really a surprise. We were told that there was going to be a statement and there's just no way that they would they would move us down to green without a press conference with the prime minister and about 35 New Zealand flags behind her. The main reason, according to COVID minister Aisha Verrill, was that it's because of the pr- the current pressure on hospitals from COVID and the flu. Now, I specifically remember asking both the prime minister and the then director general of health, Ashley Bloomfield, if they would use the COVID restrictions to manage the flu and they both said no but that's kind of what it sounds like is happening so i put that to veril this afternoon and here's what she had to say how much does the recent strain of flu play into your decision to keep um, new zealand in the orange setting today uh, it's The decisions we make, we make around COVID. That is what the COVID protection framework and the law requires us to do. However, we know the health system is under wider pressure and we have to take that into account when we make decisions. The flu was taken into account when you made this decision then? We have to take into account um, pressure on the health system and the flu is part of that. But we are not seeking to use the COVID protection framework to um, prevent flu transmission. So that was quite a big however you would have heard at the beginning of her comments there. From what she said, the move to keep New Zealand at orange was very much influenced by the flu outbreak insofar as the fact that hospitals are being overwhelmed right now. In addition to this, Veril says that it's highly unlikely that New Zealand will be in the green setting during the winter months. Meanwhile, the government's providing about 30,000 child-sized masks to schools for kids each week, and it strongly encouraged them to be used in the classroom, but she didn't go as far as saying that the government Would mandate their use. Um, Jason, Nanaima Huta reckons that the Russian troll farms are spreading misinformation in New Zealand. What does she think? where, Where? What does she accuse them of? Well, during a hearing this morning, um, that was very much the focus was on Russia, of course, given um, the climate right now. Um, We do know about these Russian troll farms, and we do know that they've been targeting New Zealand. But what we actually learned, which was relatively new, or at least new that I'd heard, is that they were spreading anti-vaccination information in New Zealand. Um, This, of course, is an attempt to destabilize New Zealand's democracy. Um, Here's what she said after the hearing this morning. Could you just elaborate on the issue that we were talking about at the beginning about these uh, Russian troll farms spreading the COVID misinformation? How concerning is that? It is concerning, but that's why we uh, undertook to put sanctions on uh, Russian troll farms. How widespread uh, is this misinformation from these farms? We can uh, anticipate that they're fairly widespread, uh, and it uh, creates uh, uh, a misconception about what is actually happening in the war. So the war is quite an interesting point at the end because I think the Russian troll farms haven't been as successful there. I mean, we all know that Russia is in the wrong in terms of its invasion of the Ukraine, and they're not doing very much to change our hearts and minds with that one. But the misinformation campaign, where it has been a bit more effective, it would seem, is with the anti-COVID and the anti-vaccination push. We've seen the protests outside of parliament, etc., and a a lot of other things on social media as well. So her argument is that the Russians... um, seem to be behind a lot of that and in that respect they've been reasonably successful in some ways. Proud Boys are now a terrorist organisation, aren't they? Yes, so this came out earlier, um, earlier this month, um, The, the proud bo- and, and, and really came to the fore today. This is a neo-fascist group based in the U.S. with far right-wing links. Its leadership has been um, federally indicted over the January 6th U.S. Capitol riot, so yeah, not really a good group of guys. And now they join the likes of Al-Qaeda, um, ISIS on New Zealand's terror entity list. Here's what Police Minister Chris Hipkins said on why. Well, they're clearly a significant threat, which is the reason that you'll see the decision has been made by the Prime Minister uh, to, to classify them in the way that she has. Uh, you know, these are white supremacist terrorist groups. Uh, and I, we don't believe, and I don't think New Zealanders believe, that uh, any New Zealander should be enabling and supporting them. So the move means that anybody with financial dealings related to the Proud Boys is liable for prosecution of up to seven years in prison. Um, So what sort of influence do the Proud Boys have in New Zealand? Well, the minister says he hasn't been briefed on that, but says this is largely a preemptive move, just in case anybody was thinking of starting up a Proud Boys faction here in New Zealand. Is anybody thinking of doing that? (laughs) <laughs> um, I, I think there. I couldn't say. Hey, there's, they've got no briefings. I don't have anything that the police minister does, and if I did, I think I'd be on their team, not yours, Heather. <laughs> Jason, thank you, Jason Walls, deputy political editor.